Folks, if you've joined us this morning, this is your first time, we're, we're in a series, we're week seven of a series. We're, we've been talking about the book of Proverbs, which is the most incredible book in the Bible. If you've never read it, just you can dive in at any point of it, like just open the book and find anything, and you just begin to read. They're just full of just brilliant, brilliant words of advice, and they're, they're really um, words of wisdom. And over the last few weeks, that's what we've been talking about. We've been talking about wisdom. We've been talking about taking initiative, developing uh, discipline, choosing good friendships, which is really, really important. And today, what I would love to do is talk about marrying well. And the reason being, there's lots to say. Proverbs has loads to say about marriage and about choosing a really good uh, partner to spend the rest of our days with. And uh, I, I realize that as I speak about this, for some people, like some of the other subjects that we've talked about, this could be a painful subject. And, uh, and I apologize for that, uh, but nonetheless, I, I want to just kind of put out some really important things uh, regarding uh, marrying well. As I said, I, I read this book 20 years ago. Uh, we've been basing this on, on a book that someone else has written. Uh, and I, re I remember reading it 20 years ago when I was a young fella at university. And I remember reading this chapter and thinking, that's really what I want. As, as a young man, if you're a young fella here or a young girl here and you're looking for a life partner, this, this chapter for me was just so, so helpful. And, um, and the reason really is, you know, there's a lot at stake. There's a lot at stake when it comes to marriage. You know, you can bump the car. And it'll be frustrating, but you'll get it sorted out. You can burn the dinner, that'll be really annoying, but you can make some toast. Or you can say the wrong thing to someone, but you can apologize and move on. But, you know, marrying the wrong person, it has lasting consequences. Proverbs has this to say. Better a dish of vegetables with love than a fattened calf with hatred. Uh, put, put differently, better to uh, go for McDonald's with someone that you love than a posh dinner in the merchant with someone that you don't really get along with anymore. And we've been there, haven't we? We've been in restaurants, we've been in cafes, and we've noticed the couple kind of sitting quite close to us. And they're kind of together, but they're not really together. And you're kind of almost feeling embarrassed for them as, as not much uh, conversation is kind of taking place. And then the really famous verses, if you know your Bibles and you've read them before, uh, men especially, you're going to know these ones. Uh, better to live on a corner of a roof, that's up in the attic, in the corner, as far away as possible, than share a house with a quarrelsome wife. And then 10 verses later, in the same chapter, got to be the same writer, says the same or similar, better to live in a desert than with a quarrelsome and nagging wife. And then we have a quarrelsome wife is like the dripping of a leaky roof in a rainstorm. You can tell the gender of the writers, can't you? <laughs> and yet, the same could be same, the same could be said about fellas too. And other things could be written about fellas too. The writer is basically saying, better to just be anywhere else than to be with the wrong person bound in relationship for years to come. So how can this be avoided? I want to take uh, some time and look at seven kind of areas where we would do well uh, from a cautionary point of view 
And then five other really encouraging things to think about when it comes to marrying um, someone who's going to spend the rest of your days with. The first thing is take it slowly. Many of us will have experienced that feeling of falling in love. I remember as a young fella uh, meeting someone. You always shake your head at this point, don't you, dear? And uh, I think it's like emotions can't, you cannot begin to express that feeling inside of that loved one. And yet, how often people rush into making rash decisions. I had a friend once upon a time who fell head over heels with someone and chose to get engaged to them within a matter of days. I was like, what are you doing? And we told him, and our friends told him, and we're so grateful that within a couple of weeks later, he called the, the marriage off and the engagement off with a lot of egg left on his face. Take your time. Slow down. There's a lot to uh, kind of learn, a lot to kind of figure out, a lot of getting to know that person. Um, in the book, Bill Hybels would actually suggest in terms of courtship or dating or going out or whatever we want to call it, to give yourselves at least a year. Um, that's kind of good advice, uh, except we didn't pay much attention to that advice. In fact, the day we got engaged, we were at Summer Madness. If you don't know that, Summer Madness is a Christian festival, and uh, I planned it, of course. I hadn't at all. And, um, and we'd actually gone to a seminar all about dating and what have you, and during this seminar, the person who was giving it basically gave the exact same advice. We would encourage you to wait at least a year, just go out for each other for a year. And I'm thinking in the back of my mind, I'm going to pop the question tonight. And we'd only been going out seven months. I thought, mm, we're on dangerous, dodgy ground. The reason I'm telling you that, it's often these things, are, they're good advice. Um, it is about knowing the person which we're going to come on to. And the second one is that, uh, no, that's coming on later. The second point is grow up first. There's a good reason we don't allow two-year-olds to play with knives. There's a good reason why we don't let 12-year-olds drive a car. There are some things that need to kind of take place in order to make life-giving uh, choices. And it's important that we grow up. It's important uh, during kind of late teens and early 20s, a lot is going on. It's a, a, an intense time of establishing identity. Who am I? It's a period in life where we begin to kind of leave and cleave from our family homes of which we've been a part of. And might I say, young fellas in Northern Ireland, there are lots of mummies, boys, who like to stick around the family home. There's lots of mummies who like to still have little Johnny still in the house. When they reach a certain period, it's time to push them out, mums and dads. If I might just kind of put that one in. I know I've offended most of you with the green jersey. Now I've offended many more. <laughs> Moving swiftly on. During your early 20s, you're establishing your core values. What do I really think? What are my non-negotiables? Because so much of that you have learnt from your parents and from your friends around you. And it's in that time of your life when you're beginning to say... I need to choose these things for myself. It's usually a busy time where skills are being developed and you're being trained in certain areas. You may well be further education. could be the beginning of a new job or an apprenticeship or something. And then lastly, as an important formational time when it comes to spiritual uh, 
spiritual things. What do I believe? Do I really believe in Jesus? Am I going to follow him all the days of my life? Um, as I said earlier, I read this book when I was at university. I was maybe 20, 21, and marriage was something I really wanted. It was something that God had placed within my heart. And uh, uh, uni was quite a lonely time, uh, studying for my future. I was single. I wanted to be with someone and all the rest. And there was kind of this longing for that to come. But I knew in that season, in that time of my life, I needed to be patient. And I needed to work through many of these things that I'm talking about. And often, here's the thing. Sometimes our hardest days in our lives, some of those times actually give God access to do something the deepest things in our lives and so don't ever doesn't matter what stage of life that we're at today don't despise the hard days God is usually doing his most profound work within us during that time the third point a cautionary point regarding marrying is being in love with being in love there's that feeling of oh if only I can just get married that will make me feel better um, marriage will fix my problems. I'll be happier when I'm married. Prior to dating Chance and uh, us marrying, I, I, I dated another girl. And um, truth be told, I was more uh, kind of interested in, in what she did for a living. She did a, a, it was a good job. She was paid really well. She came from a nationality that was kind of quite cool. So is being Northern Irish, by the way, in case I'm going to offend you again. Um, and I kind of wanted it to work out, and I kind of got myself all knotted up. But truth be told, it was not the right life partner for me. The fourth thing is, it's not about pleasing other people and not rushing into a marriage because your other friends seem to be getting married, and it's about time you did. Or there's pressure from mum and dad who kind of drop in these words that kind of say, isn't it about time you guys tied the knot? Or, or it could be about... Uh, you know, marrying the right kind of person, again in the eyes of potentially mum or dad. Song of Songs says, do not awaken love until it so desires. Take your time. It's really important that you get to really know each other. Really, really get to know uh, one another. And it's important that you have more during the dating season of just simply having nice meals together and having romantic dinners, or whatever it might be. It's really important that you actually go through some difficult things, like having a good argument, because that's going to happen when we get married, right? And so it's important that there's an opportunity where you've gone through something and you've resolved conflict. Sometimes actually journeying something painful, or negotiating something where compromise needs to take place, on either side or maybe talking about financial issues some of these important things which are going to come up in marriage the other thing is uh, who would want a marriage like that I'm a little bit boomy could you maybe change my voice there you go thanks um, it's really important to discuss what your marriage might look like together uh, whenever uh, couples do pre-marriage kind of classes or pre-marriage time together it's really good to discuss these things because most of what we learn about marriage is through seeing 
our own parents together, if they're still married or when they were married. You've seen that. So you see, oh, the man does this, the husband does that, or the wife does that. And that's what we learn. And we can just assume coming into a marriage that that's what I'll do and that's what you'll do. And it's really, really important that you discuss important topics. It's important that you discuss what career you're shooting for, whether you intend to have a family or not, or how many children you'd actually like to have. Chantelle wanted four children. I wanted two. We compromised with three. And uh, that was good. A compromise, all good as marriage, isn't it? Yes, I'm looking at some of us who've been married a while. And then lastly, it's important that we know the broken places. It's really, really important. I'm going to touch on this in a little bit more, that we know um, where each person is broken. You wouldn't buy a house without getting a survey done. You wouldn't buy a second-hand car without kind of looking under the bonnet or maybe doing a credit check or whatever those things you can do. And neither should you enter into marriage without knowing um, the broken places of one another. So before we move on, to the positive things about choosing our life partner. Seven, uh, just quick recaps. Don't marry too quickly. Don't marry too young. Don't marry because you've fallen in love with the idea of marriage. Don't marry to prove something to someone else. Don't marry until you've shared a lot of life with that person. Don't marry until you've thrashed out your expectations. And don't marry without knowing the person's history. Okay, that's quite a few don'ts. What about the do's? What should we be looking for? I would love to throw that out as like a question. What, are you, what, are you, what is it you're looking for? I know what most of the men would kind of say, and uh, that's the fifth one. We'll come on to that. But the first one is this, is the God factor. It's really, really important, actually. You, we, we have that uh, age-old saying as opposites attract. And to a certain degree, especially when it comes to personalities, there's a degree of truth in that. But actually... Truth be told, and research would tell you, that most people that stay together, there are a number of areas where people are compatible in. And the first thing is the God factor. For those of us who are Christians, for those of us who's given our yes to Jesus, um, it is important uh, that we look for someone who is a Christian. The fear of the Lord leads to life. Then one rests content, untouched by trouble. If knowing God leads to life, building a satisfying marriage together requires both of you to be Christians. Uh, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. And it's really, really important. And I know for some this isn't, isn't the case. I know one could be a Christian, one isn't a Christian. I just know that if God is the center, is the most important person in our life that governs our lives and it's through that relationship that everything else comes if one is a christian one isn't a christian that is going to cause tension within the marriage within that uh, most intimate and most uh, special earthly relationship and it is just best if both of you are christians it's one thing to not be compatible in an area like one likes football and the other doesn't, or one likes the theatre and arts and the other doesn't, but um, that really, really is important. The second is the character factor. It's really important that you marry someone of good character. 
loads and loads of the book of Proverbs is about morals, is about doing certain things. And so in marriage, it's important, again, that you know the person, that they are faithful, that they are trustworthy. Consider the following. A person who values and practices honesty and transparency, who marries someone who's deceitful and unable to tell the truth, or someone who uses money responsibly, tithing it, being generous, being transparent, who marries someone who uh, gambles or throws money away at this and that, or someone who's hardworking, who marries someone who's lazy, or uh, someone who cultivates good friendships with someone who falls in with the wrong crowd. Someone who's committed to sexual fidelity, whereas the other person is open to potential offers. It is important that we look for a partner who has character and integrity. The third is the emotional health factor. And this does go back to what I said about knowing the broken places. That doesn't mean to say that you have to have the same emotional makeup. Let's be honest, many of us. We are wired completely different. This is a stereotypical um, thing I'm about to make, but men, often we look at our ladies and they cry at something, and we're going, what the heck is she doing? What's going on there? We're, we're wired emotionally different, but it's important that we have an emotional health checkup. All of us will carry our pain. And if you, you're part of our church, You'll have heard us be really vulnerable about our past. I've been very honest about my past growing up in a, in a household which was very difficult and uh, was fraught with a number of different things which shaped me in a negative way. I remember speaking to my pastor at the age of 17, 18, and I, it was one of the first times I would ever have a conversation with anyone about what really went on in the, in the home that I grew up in. And I remember coming through... And I spoke what happened. I said, but I'm all right. I'm all right. You know, like we all do. We put the brave face on. We pretend everything's great. I remember saying that to my pastor, Mike. And he said to me, he was so loving and he was so truthful. He said, you can't possibly be all right. If that's what you've seen, if that's what you've heard, if that's what you've experienced for years and years, you can't possibly be all right. And you will know, friends who've been part of our church for a while, that has been a long journey of healing and restoration for me and my life. It's important when Chantel and I met that she knew everything, that I wasn't going to hide any of that. It was important for her to know that I had journeyed some of that pain and I had uh, sought counseling. I had gone before God and had received a good, healthy degree of healing and wholeness. It was important for her to know that I was committed to that for the rest of my life. It was important. Because here's the thing, none of us should be disqualified for marriage and health and happy relationships because of our past. But it is important that we address those things because broken people mess up other relationships, right? Hurt people, hurt people. And it's important that we uh, actually deal with some of that stuff. So it's important that we know our emotional health. Where are we in the notes? The fourth one, 
uh, is the talk factor. It's really important that you have that compatibility to be able to talk with each other. You know, you might come across someone and think, oh, this person's mysterious. You actually want to know what they really think. You actually want to know what's really going on. The purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, but one who has insight draws them out. And it's important that you can have deep, meaningful conversations, not just glossing over the, you know, the basic things of life, but really drilling down into the nitty-gritty of what's really, really going on. Um, the way we operate still sometimes, you'd think Chantel is an open book, and she is really open. She's not a closed book. She is really open. But there are just times in life when I have to actually dig out of her what's actually going on. And sometimes when we have our downtime, sometimes it's enough just to kind of, whew, goodness, we've got some clear wind, we can uh, enjoy. Sometimes the conversation does dry up and it, it requires the two of us, often me, to actually dig and ask questions. How are you feeling? What did you think about that? What do you think about this, that, the other? And it's important especially I'm looking at lots of us who've been married for, for some time now, that we don't focus all our efforts into our children, that we don't focus all our efforts into our career. We don't focus our attention into this, that, the other, and we neglect the very, very special relationship that we're called to be in for the rest of our lives. And now lastly, the fifth and final com. com Compatibility factor is the physical factor. God designed us to be physically attracted to one another, to have that kind of that, that physical attraction of each other. Proverbs 5 says, May your fountain be blessed, and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth, a loving doe, a graceful deer. May her breast satisfy you always. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. And we read that, we think, oh my goodness, it says breasts. Oh my goodness, can you believe that? It said it in the book. Flip, who'd have known? It's an 18. <laughs> Don't let your children read it. No, do let your children read it. That's totally stupid. <clears throat> Maybe not that bit. Um, so John Wimber, many of you will know him. He founded the Vineyard Movement. He passed away many years ago. I remember reading Carol Wimber's uh, book about John. And she wrote this. She had discovered John's Bible after he passed away and was kind of flicking through it. And she had noticed that he had highlighted uh, these verses. And I think maybe had written his wife's name there, Carol. And she had, she had uh, written about this and basically had commented sort of saying, I knew that I was John's, unrivaled by anyone else. I was John's beloved wife, belonging only to him and it's that physical attraction that we actually have with each other that actually sometimes can sustain and really help uh, marriage with each other Chantel is just blessed you know it's just uh, I, you know there's just times and I know that's so bad I was going to do it the other way around I was I was I was some of you have come to this church for the first time I don't know what <laughs> Whatever you think that's bad, please don't write it on Facebook. <laughs> I'm just going to put that one out, okay? If you thought any of it was good, great. But if there's anything you're like, that 
place is just nuts. Please don't write on Facebook. Let's conclude and let's sit down and uh, forget about today. <laughs> Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. Entering into marriage is something that should not be done lightly. And it's really important, actually, that we involve other people in, in the decision. Whilst it's obviously between two of you, it is important that we ask our friends and ask our families about them. The day we got engaged, um, I'd actually had a conversation with two other people uh, prior to it. The day before, I think, of uh, just sort of saying, I think I'm going to ask Chantel to marry me. What, what do you think? And they were trusted people that I knew and I respected and valued their opinion. And I'm grateful that they both said, yes, that would be a good idea. We've seen it in you. So um, I hope that that's been helpful. I hope that some things in there have been relevant. And uh, the guys are going to come and they're going to lead us in worship for our final